You're listening to Nerd Talkalypse Podcast for when the nerd world gets real. What is going on, nerd enthusiasts, and welcome to the new and improved Nerd Talkalypse. Oh, it's just called Nerd Talkalypse now. For when the nerd world gets real. Right, Rob? Yeah. That's right. I'm here with Robert from Bridging the Geekdoms, part of the Nerd Talkalypse Podcast Network, along with the Phantom Vibe, Colton's Gaming Corner, R3 with JH, and hashtag Farside. You, uh, missed, you missed Bridging the Geekdoms, didn't you? No, no, I introduced you as Robert from Bridging the Geekdoms, who is a part of the Nerd Talkless Podcast (laughs) Network, along with all the other shows, such as the Fan and Vibe, Colton's Gaming Corner, R3 with JH, and Hashtag Farside. I said that. Yeah. But in case you missed it, this is the Nerd Talk... I'm just kidding. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, so technically, this is uh, episode 92 we never did make it to a hundred with the real with the real shit, but you know, life gets in the fucking way, right? Unfortunately, it does. It's a, yeah, it's deeply unfortunate, but whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, so we're here today. Actually, before we get started, we're just going to explain what the fuck is going on, what the hell are we talking about, and all that stuff. So we have decided to straight up relaunch what we're doing in 2019. And that is like a total revamp of the network. We changed up some of the logo. Well, we changed up all the logos, actually. Um, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of things. So what you're hearing now is Nerd Talk Lips. Yes, I know I said 92, but it's effectively Nerd Talk Lips 1. Nerd Talk Lips will now handle all of the big deal shit. All the big movies, all the main movies, everything that's coming out in the superhero universes. And so on and so forth. Um, that is what I mean when I say when the nerd world gets real. When there is a big trailer, when there is big giant news, you know what I mean? When Ben Affleck finally quits being Batman or when Henry Cavill quits being Superman, whatever those, happens. Those will be sad days in the world. That's true. When somebody like Stan Lee, which, happy birthday, Stan Lee, when he, when somebody like him passes away, you're gonna hear it on Nerd Talkalypse. You'll hear it on every other network, I'm sure, or a show in the network, I'm sure. But Nerd Talkalypse is going to have the news for that. Anyway, that is what you can look forward to. Fandom Vibe has its own set of things that we're all gonna be a part of. That's its own, like, pseudo-network in and of itself. So you got the Fandom Vibe, which handles news, spotlights, you know, um, things like that. And then you got, like, the Harry Potter show, which I've aptly titled Snitch Chat. Then we've got the, like, let's say we want to do a Pokemon show. We'll call that one It's a Critical Chit, chatting about Pokemon. Then we got the Star Wars show called Shooting the Sith. (laughs) And then we got the... The superhero one. You know, whatever you want to do. That's what that's where we're gonna put it. Um I don't know. What do you gotta say, Rob? Uh I'm looking forward to everything. I'm excited about all the changes within the network and moving forward how everything's going to be. I think it's it's a bold move, but I think it's gonna pay off there, Colton. 
Colton. <laughs> I realized I said that after. <laughs> Deej, sorry. Hey, a habit. I've record with Colton. I've been doing it for almost two years now. Sorry about that. <laughs> right, right. It's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> but no, I, I, I'm excited about it. I think it's it's going to be fun. Uh, just being able to really have a one-stop shop for all things whether it's nerd, geek, whatever you call it, uh, you know, between the fandom vibe, nerd apocalypse, bridging the geekdoms, Colton's gaming corner, far side. I mean, there's gonna be so many different avenues you can take. If you're into the the weird, the strange, paranormal, you got far side. If you like video games, Colton's gaming corner. You know, if you like movies, TVs, and all the comics and and geeky stuff, there you got nerd apocalypse, fandom vibe, and bridging the geekdoms to go to for all that. So, and each and one you will like have a little bit different random things. thoughts from a father. <laughs> You have R3 with JH. Yes, yes. I've listened to a couple of his episodes, and they're excellent. I can't wait for them to get out to the public, because I think everybody's going to love them. Absolutely. It's going to be awesome. So they're going to they're gonna be coming out real soon. All right. So let's, uh, let's rock and roll this, man. We're going to do Aquaman. That's what we're here for. We're going to re- review the latest um what's the word entry into the expanded dc universe on film yeah i just call I, I, everybody likes to you know they, they've dubbed it the dceu the dc extended universe uh ever since warner brothers or dc was like yeah that's not the real name i kind of just call it the dc film verse at this point because with the joker coming out everything like that it's not all going to be connected. Now it's all connected because it's a film verse. It's all DC films. So that's why I, I personally just dub it film verse because until they, I don't know why they can't just call it multiverse. I I don't know why they, well, because it's Warner brothers and they have no idea how to run the comic book section of their, their movie sector or whatever. Yeah. It's just, it's annoying. (laughs) It's simply annoying, but onto, onto better pastures and better things. Let's go with uh, Aquaman here. Hell yeah. Uh, All right. So, Aquaman. It is... This movie's monster, man. It is definitely a monster. I don't know how it compares. You got the internet right in front of you there, Rob? Yeah. What what do you need me to look at? Well, I was going to possibly look at a comparison to the other uh, best DC uh, Universe movie. Okay. That being Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. And what it made opening. Um, I think the for the weekend, Wonder Woman actually did better uh, than... Uh, opening weekend, it did 103, Wonder Woman. And opening weekend, yeah. So Aquaman only did 67 million. Wonder Woman did 103 million. Slightly better opening weekend. That's the domestic, obviously. So, Wonder Woman slightly better by $40 million, but... It did how much? Wonder Woman did $103 million. Oh, yeah. opening. Opening weekend, yeah. Wow, so Aquaman is doing better. No, no, opening weekend... Opening weekend for Aquaman only did $67 million. Oh, I see. I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Yeah. You're looking at the lifetime right now, I think. Fascinating. Okay. But that's not saying it didn't do well because you have to realize the timing that it opened. Uh, you know, uh, 
the holiday season is always a bit iffy because when you release something at the holidays, obviously, yeah, we have the exceptions to the rule, which were the Star Wars movies, but that had the title Star Wars in it, which is why they were so monstrous those opening weekends. Aquaman, on the other hand, while it doesn't carry that same weight as Star Wars, and while it's obviously in a universe, a film universe, that has been struggling, unfortunately, you had to know that it was going to open a lot smaller than something like Star Wars would. Uh, and that's not saying it's a bad thing, because, again, it's the holidays. People don't normally go to the movies until after the holidays. So, like, this week here is a pretty important week for Aquaman. And to to think that from the time that it's open, that opening weekend, it's already up to $137 million. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's basically doubled its money you know, from the opening weekend, which is great. And that's domestically. Worldwide, it's doing fantastic. Uh, oh, my God, yeah. It's, so, on, it's on. I read a thing where they're saying it was on track to um, make a billion. Yeah, I mean, right now it's at $630 million, which is fantastic. And you figure that from that point, you, you, right now it looks like it'll probably have another four to five weeks left in the theater for a major run through the theater. That's going to add another couple, you know, a couple hundred, hundred million right there. So by the end of this weekend, I would say it's probably going to cross 700, 750 million, probably by next weekend, which would be like the first weekend in January. And then you figure probably another 200 million easily after that. It's going to make between 900 million and a billion dollars, absolutely, which is a phenomenal. I mean, you, you, who would have thought that Aquaman would make that much money, but it's going to. <laughs> yeah. Then it's. Uh... I don't know. It fascinates me. I I absolutely adored this movie, so I I give it all the credit in the world. It deserves to make that much. I liked it more than I liked Wonder Woman, so there's that. Yeah, I I do too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Wonder Woman, but there's just something different with this movie, uh, and I I think we'll get into it when we start talking our review. But there's just something with this movie that that truly captured my imagination, uh, unlike any of the previous DC movies, and to be quite honest, more so than any MCU movie ever has. And that's what I'm so excited about for Aquaman. Right. Yeah, I am right there with you, man. I When I saw this movie after I saw Spider-Verse, and I thought Spider-Verse, I said... After I walked out of there, I said, I don't think anything this year is going to top that. It was too cool. And then I saw this one and was like, well, that was pretty freaking cool, too. I don't know if anything else could top that. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of felt the same thing. I, I did the same thing you did. I went and saw Spider-Verse first, and then <laughs> I saw Aquaman the next day. and Or no, the same day, actually. It was the same night or that night. But either way, you know, I saw Spider-Verse. I was like, Wow, that was a that was a damn good movie. Uh, I, I'm not in the same area as everybody. Like, it's the best comic book movie of the year. I thought it was really good, very different. Uh, but I was like, I don't know if Aquaman could top that. Like, I just didn't know if it could. I've I've been skeptical of Aquaman from the the announcement of it essentially because I was like, first off, you're getting a horror director in James Wan. Wasn't really sure what he was going to be able to bring to the comic book world, and then on top of that, we were going to have Jason Momoa, who isn't the greatest of actors in the world. I mean, he's got a lot of charisma. Uh, he reminds me a lot of like a, a Dwayne the Rock Johnson 
but lesser. Like, you know, he's like the lesser version of him. <laughs> and fascinating. He's then, he's the body of have you ever seen Moana? Yeah, yeah. So so it people people say that they would like to see Jason Momoa play Maui. <laughs> Which is funny that you mentioned that because the rock the voice rock is Maui, so yeah. so you're he's basically Maui <laughs> without the rock's fucking persona. Uh, but then you have uh, um, Amber Heard, who again she's not a very talented actress, or we haven't seen her in enough to even see how she does you know acting. So I, the the two big stars, I was kind of skeptical uh, skeptical on. Uh, going into the movie, on top of James Wan being the director, and then obviously all of the the concerns because of how there's been this talk of a course correction with DC and where they want to take it, be more like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, make it a little more lighthearted and colorful, and that concerned me because if you know anything about me, I highly enjoyed everything that Zack Snyder gave us, uh, probably more than anybody in this world, uh, maybe except for Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder might be the only person that enjoys his movies more than I do. So going, I was, I was just worried. I was truly worried that my excitement level wasn't high for this. I've been more excited for Shazam than this. And I was just blown away. <laughs> Absolutely blown away. Oh yeah. Same here. I, I wish that, I mean, okay. Uh, top shelf, top shelf thoughts after coming out of this i wish that they weren't trying to make a connected universe at this point in time like i wish that bvs was just batman mm-hmm. and that each movie individually was not part of a greater like i i after this came out i think now that justice league was a mistake and i now i don't mean that in terms of that the movie was bad because I like the movie just fine, but I think that it was a mistake to do right now. Uh, yes, I agree. But again, you have to remember what was being set up by Zack Snyder. And, and that's, that's what a lot of people get tripped up on is Justice League. Zack Snyder's vision was never supposed to be anything more than four or five movies. All of those characters weren't, when he originally came up with what he wanted to do, those characters were going to be just in that very secluded story that he was making, and it was never going to be anything more than that. And people just don't seem to understand that. So Justice League, while what we look at it now, because we've had Wonder Woman, we've had Aquaman, uh, we we look at it and we're like, okay, kind of wish we didn't get that, because these characters are just badass on their own, and I would love to see more of that building up to Justice League. But that's not how it was supposed to be. I agree that with how they did their course correction and wanted to expand everything, they should have said, you know what, Zach, we know what your vision was, but we're not going to go that way. We'll bring you back for Justice League in five, ten years, but right now we're not doing it. That's what they should have done. You know, but they... I. Warner Brothers just didn't know what to do, and, and all the change of, of the, the people who are overseeing the DC film side of things, uh, you know, first it was Jeff Johns, and there was somebody, somebody else went in, I don't even know who's in there now, but they, you know, they changed people, and it just, it they didn't ever get a grasp or a handle on what was going on, so that's kind of why it played out like it did, and while a lot of people 
want to say that you know Justice League was the first where they really did their course correction. Uh, I, I beg to differ that I think it's it's Aquaman. Aquaman is definitely where they they're like, okay, we have a handle, we know what we're doing. Not that the movies that came before it were bad, because in my eyes are not, with the exception of Suicide Squad. Everything I think you know it 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 can still flow. Everything can still flow if they want to build this universe that they're doing. It can still really get. I think everything forward. except for. Um, fucking Justice League really is fine, except for yeah, that's really it, man. Like Batman v Superman is fine and dandy, I guess, but that is as much as everybody likes the movie now. You know, surprisingly, um, you know, I I, I think the movie's fine too, but I think it should have been a Batman movie with an appearance from Superman. And, and it's funny you say that because I always, when I first saw the movie in theaters. And I walked, I, I walked out, and I was like, why wasn't this just called Batman? Like, to me, I walked out of the theater, like, that was a Batman movie. For, uh, overall, it was a Batman movie. Kind of. As I watched it more and more, I saw the extended edition, everything like that, I started to see and understand that this is Superman's story that Zack Snyder was building. So Batman v Superman is absolutely a continuation of Superman's story, and Batman is a side character. I do agree that they should have focused on Batman. I think that would have been the smarter move. But I, I, I honestly, I think they were trying to go for that off factor, like Batman v Superman. Oh snap, you know. And then, and then it just so happens that Civil War was coming out from Marvel, so it was like, oh crap, it's going to be Captain America versus Iron Man and Batman versus Superman, the 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 big heavyweights of each, you know, each uh, cinematic universe is going to be amazing. And it just kind of built from there. And when Batman versus Superman became more of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. Uh, or no, it was more of Superman with cameos of, of Wonder Woman and Batman, essentially, or something like that. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But either way, when it didn't become Batman versus Superman because that fight literally was only eight minutes of the movie, then you're kind of like, well, what the hell? Like, they didn't they didn't accomplish what they wanted to do, and I think that they were too far gone with the script and, and with pushing the title because they announced the title so early that they're like, well, we can't back off of that now. And that's kind of why it turned out like it did. Again, I love Batman vs Superman. I will defend it till the day I die. I think that there there's so much good with that movie. Justice League on the other hand, I can understand what you're saying and where, you know, Justice League doesn't fit. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it really doesn't fit. Uh I I mean, with the exception of I think there's two or three references in Aquaman to Justice League. I only does, counted one. There's two. I, I only two. remember one. I think there is, isn't there? And it was a point five second line that could have been deleted. No, there's there's a there's a little Easter egg uh, that Queen Atlanta has of a jewelry box that actually looks like a mother box. And then, oh okay. Uh, then there's the one moment where Mira talks about Steppenwolf. She actually mentions Steppenwolf's name. That that's the one I was talking yeah. about. But I thought there was another one. I could be wrong. I don't know. I've only seen it once, but with the exception of the you know the little nods to it, there there really isn't anything. Of course, we don't know what's going to be in Shazam, you know, because Shazam could have reference to that uh, in many ways. Uh, actually, I think it does in the trailers. I think we see the there's even there's things in the trailer that show Superman returning uh, in like newspaper clippings or something. So you know, I think they're going to connect it still, but overall, I think you could pretty much just bypass it and 
<laughs> be perfectly fine, not have to look at the uh, horrible CGI of Henry, on Henry Cavill. <laughs> well, unless the Snyder Cut ever comes out, like, and and possibly fixes the way that it that it's been received, I I stand by the fact that I think that it deserves to be like Justice League would have been better off told in the form of like mid credit roll scenes at the begin at the beginning of Man of Steel and then BVS and then Wonder Woman and then Aquaman mm-hmm. all leading up to what we ended up getting just better executed. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that would have been really cool that a mid credit scene in BVS. See, they should have, they should, you know, BVS would have been so much better. Think of a mid credit role at star labs after like they're, they're fixing everything up from, from the attack from doomsday and, you know, fixing stuff up, but you have, uh, uh, Victor Stone's father. Well, I can't think of his name. Damn it! But he's in there, and you know he he's he has a mother box, and he's he's doing his recording thing, you know, right there. But then he like turns, and his son is like laying on a table, and he's like, "This is the last hope I have." Something like that. Like that would have been cool to see the creation of Cyborg in that scene because it really doesn't fit where it fits, and it doesn't really fit where it is in Batman vs Superman compared to where we see him in Justice League. Yeah, it just doesn't make yeah. sense. But that's besides. Let's stop talking about the past. Let's move forward with Aquaman <laughs> because it was awesome. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's go ahead and do this like quick. We're gonna go through and do non spoilers real fast, um, and then you know obviously we've we've done our non spoiler review kind of by talking it up and saying how good it was and things like that. And there might be more to say, but let's read the non. I'm gonna read this non spoiler synopsis real fast. Get that out of the way. Even though that might not be how we're doing the other part, I just want to go ahead and do this. So, Aquaman it says he's once home to the most advanced civilization on Earth. Uh, the city of Atlantis is now an underwater kingdom ruled by the power-hungry King Orm. Um, with a vast army at his disposal, Orm plans to conquer the remaining oceanic people and then the surface world. Standing in his way is Aquaman, Orm's half-human, half-Atlantean brother and true heir to the throne. With the help from Royal Counselor Volko, Aquaman must retrieve the legendary trident of Atlan and embrace the destiny as his protector of the deep. Yeah. What a a crazy synopsis that is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when you read it, you're like, what? That's crazy. (laughs) And that's the one thing that's great about this movie is it just jam-packs so much into it, but it doesn't ever feel like there's too much there's a lot in there but it just it really pushes the story moving you know i heard somebody one person say it felt really uh drawn out in the beginning of the movie and i was like i completely disagree because i think you know yeah you have to explain the the root of the movie is or is really the uh love story between aquaman's father and mother like, that is truly where the root of this movie is. And you have to explain that in the beginning of the movie, and that's where some people are like, it's too slow. But without that, a lot of the rest of the movie just wouldn't matter. And it's very that's a very important part. And that's the one thing that this doesn't really, this the non-spoiler synopsis doesn't give away. And it's not even a spoiler. I mean, it's they've shown it in the previews. You know, like, hey, there's a love between the, the you know Arthur's mother and father, obviously. And that is just, that's, that is the big, 
big thing with that movie. And uh, once you get that and it moves forward, all this other stuff that you read in this synopsis, while it seems like there's a lot, it all makes sense. It all fits together. It all sounds perfect and uh, in the grand scheme of things. And go see it. Just go see it, people. Stop listening to us. Go see it. And then come back and listen to us. <laughs> Absolutely. That is exactly what I was going to say. You took the words right out of my mouth, Rob. Yeah, you know, the, the crazy thing, uh, I literally, right before we started recording, I watched on DC Universe, the new DC Universe app, I watched the like history of Aquaman. And, you know, they were going through all the different, you know, decades and everything of Aquaman and it got to the current decade uh, and obviously Aquaman the movie they're talking about Aquaman well Jeff Johns who is co-writer of the movie he actually had an idea for a uh, a short story arc for the comics that he wanted to make and he liked it so much and they were deciding to come up with the Aquaman movie he said you know what we're not going to do this for the comics and he pulled it and put it in the movie instead which is absolutely fantastic because if you're a jeff johns fan if you've read anything that jeff johns has done probably my favorite is uh rebirth rebirth is probably one of my favorite pieces of work done by by jeff johns but he's done some amazing other uh, other amazing things especially in the new 52 line he's done some amazing things if you like jeff johns you can feel and and really see jeff johns voice in this movie and it's just so great. I don't know. I, I, I could talk this movie up for, for hours. So, <laughs> Well, Jeff Jones is an amazing writer. We all know that. So I I agree, though. I think that it's... That this movie is just is, is extremely well done visually. Everything about it. Like, there, there isn't... Nothing weirded me out. There's people that keep talking about, like, you know, dodgy CGI and things like that. I didn't really see that. I thought it was fine. Like... Yeah, um, I, I didn't either. I mean, come on. First off, you got to think about this. This is a movie that's being taken place. Almost 70% of it is underwater. <laughs> like, shit, what? man. Like, almost 90% of it's like, underwater. W- w- what do you think? Like, obviously, the CGI, they're going to be pushing it to its limits. You know, probably the only company that would be able to do better than what they did here. I don't even know what company did the, the CGI for this. But really, if you think about it, ILM is probably the only company that could truly handle and do better than what we got that's yeah that's true so uh, like that's to me like if you think about it i mean the, and it looked fantastic it absolutely did uh colton the the co-host of bridging the geekdoms with me uh he saw it and he was like yeah some of the things that got me were were some of the cgi moments it was kind of noticeable and i'm like that's because you're looking for it like you got to just let yourself be taken away in this movie because once you're taken away and, and, and you're just not thinking about that, that is when you're not going to let notice that stuff and you're just going to let the story go. And yeah, I mean, like you said, there's I think there was a couple moments that were kind of that stood out a little bit to me, but it was nothing like, oh God, it looks like it, it wasn't Star Wars Episode 2, which to me is one of the worst CGI films of all time. Uh, big budget films, I should say. And like, it, it definitely isn't that bad. So when I when I really think about it, uh, it it's good. <laughs> it's good. Well, I remember you specifically complaining about that moment in the trailer with the uh, with the the crowd. Yeah. 
and it, it didn't look that bad to me even then. So no, I was like, no, and I it, they definitely improved. I think they did fix that, you know, in post, especially after the trailer. So I, I could I could still tell a little bit, but it wasn't bad. My biggest concern was the look of the 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 faces and the hair underwater. That was my biggest concern because. I know that they weren't filming underwater. I mean, that's impossible. And obviously people can't talk underwater. So it was all going to be CGI. And that was my concern because I thought the trailers didn't do it justice. And the one that stuck out to me the most that I was just absolutely impressed with was Dolph Lundgren's character. Uh, because of his hair, he had a he had a, a beard and everything like that. And just trying to like really imagine or if you haven't seen the movie like think about like you got a guy with a beard underwater so the water's gonna be moving his the hair on his beard the water's gonna be moving his long hair on his head like you're gonna see all this stuff moving plus he's talking so his face is moving i was really concerned and i was just i was completely taken aback by what we got on screen with that i thought it was done fantastically and uh i plus Dolph Lundgren i mean come on Dolph Lundgren come on (laughs) Call me crazy, but like bad CGI does not always bother me that bad. Uh, if the movie is good, I'm not bothered by bad CGI. And I know this, and I use the CW as an example because there's some really noticeable CGI in the Flash and the Arrow and things like that. But for the most part, it's so good that I'm like, nah, I suspend my disbelief for that moment because. That's what I want to happen. It's you know what I'm seeing is good enough, so I'm like whatever. I don't care if it looks bad. No, I I, I partially agree. I have this thing where, um, what was I gonna say? I have this thing where, with CGI, it, it depends on the expectations. Uh, like I mentioned, Star Wars Episode Two. I mean, that was a big budget film that sh- that that should be top of the line. You know, pushing the bar, CGI looking fantastic, and it absolutely looks like shit. And that to me, that bothers me. Uh, Avatar. Avatar was a huge movie. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, Avatar looks so good!" And I go and watch it. I'm like, I I struggled to watch it because the CGI looked too much like CGI, and when 99% of that movie is CGI, it completely took me out of it. Whereas when I'm watching CW and watching Arrow, Flash, and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, I'm watching a TV show. My expectations are going to be lower, and I understand what I'm watching. You know, And that's kind of how I, I do it, but my mind works weird when it comes to entertainment. So, I mean, <laughs> well, don't, don't ours all work weird? It's all bizarre that way. You yeah. know, what yeah. can you say? Yeah. All right, so let's move on then, man. Let's go right into the um, the meat of the episode. Uh, I, I, I real quick off the top for everybody that's listening, I'm, I give this movie nine, nine out of ten. I have no real complaints about the uh, actual way it was filmed. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably give it a, a nine. Also, I'm not a big fan of giving rankings uh or you know like two thumbs up anything like that i i i actually have a vendetta against it because of rotten tomatoes because of what they've been doing to the uh to hollywood and their films I, I think that people base their opinions too much off of a score than anything else uh but i mean if i were to give it a score uh yeah i i would agree with a nine uh it, it it's not the best in the dc films uh starting with man of steel I, but I personally, I mean, I love Man of Steel. That's the the top for me. But it would definitely be second, right behind Man of Steel, right now. So I agree. 
Hell yeah, I agree with you too. I uh, it's easy to uh, put into shit. I keep forgetting about Suicide Squad even being fucking part of any of this, but um, <laughs> we didn't even mention Suicide Squad. But yeah, the, I gotta I gotta give it to Man of Steel's uh, top, and then this one, then then Wonder Woman. Oh no, I'm sorry. Batman v Superman's pretty dope. Yeah, the BVS is my third, then Wonder Woman. They, they, yeah, I agree with that. They kind of they kind of flip flop sometimes depending on my mood, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably go Man of Steel, Aquaman, BVS, Wonder Woman, and then way, 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 way down there, Suicide Squad, and then Justice League, or no, Justice League then Suicide Squad. I don't know; they both suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I say, Justice League sucks. It's actually not a bad movie. Like, when you sit there and watch it, it's not a terrible movie. It just doesn't fit with what we got. That's my problem with it. All right, so on to our spoiler review. Uh, how are we going to do this, Rob? Because you, we're, we're going to change it from the typical format. So we can... we can. Why don't we just start at the beginning of the movie and, and, and go on with what we liked and what we didn't like and things like that. Yeah, that, that that sounds great. I mean, I think we can start. I mean, we have the plot in front of us, so it won't be hard to actually go through it. And, you know, we don't need to talk about every single little detail. I think just some of the bigger things that, you know, take place throughout the movie, we can talk about what we like, what we don't like, and so on and so forth. So the first thing that I noticed that I wanted to bring up was the amazing work that Warner Brothers put into de-aging they are years beyond what I've seen from ILM and uh, Mar- Marvel, Disney Marvel. Yeah, which I think ILM actually does the Disney Marvel stuff. But, oh, really? Yeah, I think so. But they are first miles off, beyond ILM, surprisingly. Nicole Kidman looks like Nicole Kidman all the time. She's actually probably one of my biggest Hollywood crushes. I, I've I've loved her since I can remember. Like, I just think she's a gorgeous woman. What is she, like, 60 now? And she's still as gorgeous as ever. I don't think she's actually 60. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) she is 51. But she is as gorgeous as ever, if you ask me. The one that shocked me was uh, Tamora Morrison, who plays Arthur's father. And I didn't know until, you know, they jumped up you know, in the in the timeline in the in the film, that it was him, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like I, I literally at one point was like, "Holy shit!" It's Django Fett. <laughs> oh like, yeah, his was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I could not, and I never seen him in anything else except for Star Wars. So, I like I the de aging of him didn't look like him at all. So I, it was just, it was absolutely shocking to me for that. But yeah, I agree. The, the effects used for de-aging, it's crazy how good that's getting these days, the day and age. It's, it's true. And they even did it with, uh, Willem Dafoe in this and it didn't look bad either. Yeah. Yeah. That one seemed a little off. Uh, I, cause, well, mainly because it was underwater for the most part, but even no, not just that, but I, I think mainly because Willem Dafoe is he has such a interesting face. So, <laughs> and and we've seen him younger, you know, like we've seen Nicole Kidman younger, but honestly, even now she doesn't look much different than she did when she was younger. But Willem Dafoe, you know, like it, that was just a little off for me. I don't know if it was because I'm used to seeing him older. 
or what, but it it just seemed off. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't like, oh, man, this movie. But it was just one of those things where was like, uh, okay, that's Willem Dafoe. Okay. <laughs> that's all it was. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it was, I, I, it didn't bug me, like, at all. But I also wasn't very, I, like, I also thought that, now I'm going back, I'm redacting what I just said, but I thought that, um, oh, what the fuck is his name? The 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 dude from Star Wars that died that they put in the uh, Rogue One. Oh oh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin. I wanted. I kept. I all I kept thinking was David Hasselhoff, and I'm like, that's not right. Don't say <laughs> David Hasselhoff. <laughs> uh, I mean, that would have been an interesting name to. I know. That's there. why I was like, don't say David Hasselhoff. That is not right. But it has something to do with the off in the name, and I kept thinking. <laughs> the Hoff, you know, the man with the Hoff. Like, and I, I, I wanted to keep saying that, but <laughs> that's what, uh, oh, so I stumbled over all my words there. But yeah, Grandma Tarkin looked dope. Like, he looked fucking great. And some people didn't like it, but I thought I was like, dude, that guy looked that looked amazing. Yeah, I agree. It looked good. I mean, that you could absolutely tell was CGI, but there's a difference between de-aging and having somebody be a stand-in and them actually CGIing a face. That's there's true. Totally a difference That's true. I, well, here's another one. I watched uh, Ant-Man last night. Yeah. Um, like the I'm first sorry. one? I'm sorry. No, I like that movie. I, I know that you don't like it, but I like that movie. Yeah. Um, Michael Douglas, his de-aging in that movie is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, even like Robert Downey Jr.'s in Civil War is really good. So, yeah, eh, I gotcha. you know, it is what it is. But that Michael <laughs> Douglas, I that fooled the shit out of me when I first saw Ant Man. I was like, oh yeah, Michael Douglas. Like I had no idea that he was an old guy because he looked fucking great. Yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, the, I mean, the movie, because the way it starts, it, it starts off, uh, and I mean, I'll read it here, in 1985, uh, in Maine, a lighthouse keeper, Thomas Curry, rescues Atlanta, the princess of the underwater nation of Atlantis, during a storm. They eventually fall in love and have a son, which they name Arthur, uh, based off of King Arthur, actually, according to the movie, who is born with the power to communicate with uh, marine life forms. Atlanta is forced to abandon her family and return to Atlantis, entrusting to her loyal advisor, uh, Volko, the mission of training Arthur. Under Volko's guidance, Arthur becomes a skilled warrior, but is rejected by the Atlanteans for being half a half-breed and ultimately leaves Atlantis behind. So, first off, you know, the way it starts off, like I said earlier in the non-spoiler, you know, it, it, the movie is very much rooted in this love story between Atlanta and... Thomas like absolutely uh, without that love story without that undertone of everything this movie wouldn't exist that's true now the the most interesting thing for me and I, I this is one of the things that like, I, I and you brought it up whenever after I got out of the theater and you know I we we called each other I called you or whatever you called me whatever we talked about it it was that thing what that that fight scene between uh, Atlanta and the Atlantean soldiers, uh, yeah, that come in at one point. It was just absolutely insane. It was just a beautifully shot scene, and uh, I know you want to talk about the the fight sequences in this movie because they were absolutely phenomenal. Oh my god, 
the the now I did not notice the very first fight scene being the uh, I don't know if it's actually one shot take you know done, but it looked one shot. I didn't notice that in the first Here's fight the scene. And, and believe it or not, the the fight that you're talking about later on in the movie that you're like, it's a one shot. It's not a one shot. It's just the film. The filmmakers have gotten so uh, intelligent, so um, good with making things look like one shots. They're not all one shots. It just it just seems and flows so fluidly that it looks like it. And that first fight scene again looks like a one shot. Uh, and just the the camera angles that the, that it, that James Wan even chose for that, like how it goes up above and it's like looking down from the ceiling at the fight. It, it was just all brilliant and just breathtaking and the fact that Nicole Kidman again it probably wasn't her it was probably a stunt double or whatever but her character just kicking ass like that so early on in the movie you're just that that set the tone of what was to come later on I thought it was a brilliant idea to to have it that intense because every fight scene in this movie just seemed larger than life and everyone was larger than the last and that's what was so great about the fight scenes yeah I that definitely no i the the camera angles like i don't know man like the 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 i don't remember another movie like i was listening to another podcast about about this movie and they had talked about one shots like one continuous shot action sequences being a thing and like more recently than normal and i didn't, i don't remember yeah, it has been a thing more recent. I think John Wick, I think in the first one, I think has one of those. Uh, but I mean, probably the most notable thing in the in the recent past is Daredevil on Netflix. Uh, that first season, that hallway scene was shot like a one shot. The thing is, is it wasn't actually a one shot, but they did some pretty brilliant camera work with that, as well as actor work and they did the same thing in the second and third season with different areas like there was the second season it was the staircase third season it was in the prison and they just did some pretty smart camera work throughout those those shots so it all seemed fluid in one shot but it actually wasn't and that's the thing that that uh, that just is is so cool because when you can it it it, it brings you in to the movie more and it grabs you and it pulls you in and it just it just makes that makes it that much more intense, and I, I agree. I mean, it it it's it's awesome, and I think it has. I, I can't think of anything else besides John Wick that may have done it recently, but uh, I I I feel like the same. Like that, it, it has happened more. This just did it amazingly. Interesting, yeah. It it did it in a way that I immediately it caught my attention, and I don't. I don't know why. I I don't know what it is about it, but like it, it made it feel more real to me. And I'll I'm gonna jumping ahead just you know, in the middle of the movie, that one specific one that I'm talking about. Well no, first of all, let me go with this the this the, the first thing that caught my eye in the movie and I was like, Wow, that was cool was the moment when um Arthur is talking to the fish in the aquarium, young Arthur. Yeah. Right, and he's talking to the fish. He's doing all that, and the sharks doing whatever, and blah 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 blah. So we saw all that in the trailer. Um, then it like zooms in to the to the aquarium, 
into the depths and then it's like all of a sudden you're in in a different scene yeah i'm like wow beautiful camera work and then they do it very similarly like they do like where he where volko i'm sorry where him and mira are like standing on the cliffside he's like yep this is where volko trained me and it can't the camera pans around them and all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's volko and young arthur standing there and then they you know what i mean that happens again like and then they dive off the cliff and then when they go in the water it's it's him and Mira again like it or you know whatever that's crazy like it's very well done the cinematography is incredible absolutely Absolutely. and I just really love the way they did that the and you know that brings up the 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 biggest thing is just of how beautiful this entire movie looks uh and that a large part of that is the cinematography the direction of this movie and uh, it, it literally is. I, I, I have yet to, in the past week, I've been trying to figure out what movie have I seen in the past that is as beautiful or more beautiful than this movie. And I, I can't, I legitimately cannot think of another movie where I just sat there and was just, just completely in awe at how beautifully shot it was. I, I can't. I literally cannot think of another movie. Shot or looks? Both shot and looked like uh, to combine because it it goes hand in hand. You know, you can have a beautiful movie, but if it's shot like shit, it's not going to look great. And vice versa. You know, you can have a great show. You know, a movie that's shot really well, but if it looks like shit, it's not going to going to stand out. But this just stands out because the two are just done so so excellently. Is that a word? Excellently. Excellently. (laughs) They're done so they're they're so well done. I don't know. It's a good-looking film, that is for damn yeah. sure. And it's so blue. Yeah. And yeah. so bioluminescent. But even, like, the, the the scenes with with Atlanta and Thomas, like, on the dock and, and everything like that, the way that they use the sunlight and the, the ocean and everything, it's it just done so well. Like, I just... I, I, I don't know how to... To convey to people, like, how do you convey to somebody that isn't looking at it? Like, it looks beautiful. Like, there's no other way to say it. It's just, it's stunning. You have to see it to believe it. <laughs> well, you could. There's almost like no, there's no uncanny valley, really. I don't. There kind of is, though. Like, there's just, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's like, yeah. um, it's like when you're looking at like a Pixar movie and you're like wow that looks so weirdly cool like it looks so good but you're like why does it look so good mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah that's kind of the feeling that this movie gave me you're like wow this looks so unrealistically realistic at the same yeah. time like like a like good graphics in a video game I can yeah I mean I I agree like you're exactly right you know when when you're just like yeah I mean that's kind of a good way to put it like if you're a video gamer like a new generation of video games when when a company utilizes the abilities of a new console generation to its fullest extent and you're just completely blown away by that that's how I felt with this movie you know it's just it, it was that leap it's just a huge leap from what we've seen in any you know, previous comic book movie, whether it's Marvel, DC, non-major brand comic book movies, and 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 I even sit there and, and I'm like not even talking about comic book movies, just movies in general. I can't think of a movie that is just that stunningly amazing looking. Yeah, 
That well, not only that, but it's also the first movie of its kind, as far as I know, where it just takes place so long underwater. Yeah, there really isn't anything like that, and and that was kind of a big thing for them because they had to try and figure out the best way to to do this. You know, not only did they have to figure out, okay, how do we want it to look, but how are we going to have the characters interact with each other under the water? And you know, some of the big things, obviously. Uh, when we watch ju- when you watch Justice League, you know you you have some shots of Aquaman underwater fighting Steppenwolf and everything like that, and it looks very different compared to what we got in Aquaman. That's because at the time they were doing Justice League, James Wan still had yet to to start filming Aquaman, and he as Zack Snyder he was like, look, first off, don't show Atlantis. I want to show Atlantis in Aquaman. So Zack Snyder was like, okay, and then secondly, he was like. Uh, we don't have everything figured out, so you know we'll try to build off of what you do. But you know, don't get mad if we don't do if we don't copy you. And and Zack Snyder was fine with that, which is why in the you know Justice League, there's that moment where uh, Mira and Arthur talk underwater, and she creates a big you know air bubble for them to talk because at that time they still had no idea if they were gonna how they were gonna have them talk underwater. Speaking Jumped of that. In. And I don't mean to I don't mean to interrupt your thought here, but I, I why the fuck did Mira and Arthur act like they didn't know each other in okay. this movie? Uh, okay, because technically they don't. At this point in time, they don't know each other. Yes, in, in Justice League they met. But it was very for a very short moment of time. The only time that, that that they met in this universe was that moment after they fought Steppenwolf. And she's talking to him like, look, I know who you are. I know who your mother is. And he's like, well, my mother left me for, you know, left me to with my father and that kind of stuff. They didn't sit there and say, hi, I'm Mira. Hi, I'm Arthur. Like there wasn't any exchange. And all he was like, look, if you need me or if you need me to help take on Steppenwolf, I'm going to need a couple things from you. And that's what you got to do. And that was it. Like that was the only meeting they had. It wasn't like in this movie in Aquaman, there isn't a moment where he's like, I don't know who you are. Like he's just like, I don't know your name. And people are taking that as, he has no idea who she is? No, he just didn't know her name. He never felt it was relevant to know her name, which isn't, you know, a big deal in my opinion. I was just curious. I I didn't really think about it. And I was like, oh, shit, that's a good point. My friend brought it up for me. And But, you know, with getting back to my point where they're, you know, with with them talking underwater, uh, it, it was just a smart move because if you, you know, the comics, the the cartoons, everything, they just talk. You know, they just talk underwater, and they kind of put like a, I guess like kind of like a reverb on them a little bit. I'm not maybe not a reverb, but I don't know. They they did an effect where it sounded slightly different than if you were just talking on screen. Oh, when they were and, underwater, you mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it was a the, little weird. Also, the hair, uh, you know, just the way that the hair moved. That was a huge. Uh, issue that they had to figure out how to do and you can actually see a lot of times they put like crowns and and different things on the actors heads because the hair was cgi'd what they would do is they would actually slick back the actor's hair and put little dots on their head and then they would cgi the hair on underwater so they can make it wavy and move however there's some moments where it's noticeable but for the most part if you're not looking directly at it you're not going to notice it it just looks good and, you know, then the Atlantis part, how beautiful it looks, how grand and colorful it is. That was all James Wan. That was all him. Like, it needs to be grand. It needs to be beautiful. It needs to be bright. It needs to be colorful. And it makes sense for underwater because we know, I mean, we we don't know everything about 
uh, the under you know under the sea uh, like what's down there but what we do know is that a lot of the creatures that are down there actually give off their own light through the ocean so it would make sense that in the darkest deepest depths of the ocean where Atlantis is that it would have that that's how it would have light is from the creatures and and stuff like that I just thought it was a brilliant idea to do it that way. And it just, again, it just builds on how beautiful this movie is. And I think we've talked about that for the last 10 minutes now, but it's it's true. Like, I don't know how it, how else <laughs> to convey how well done this movie is. In well, it'll definitely be the most beautiful movie you've ever seen. And not only that, but, like, I got to give credit to the to even, like, Into the Spider-Verse. It was really beautiful looking, too. And it was the first movie I've ever seen of its kind. Yeah, the coolest thing about uh, Into the Spider-Verse was how it was approved by the comics board or whatever it's called. That was really cool. That that caught me off guard. When that logo came up in the beginning of the, the film, I was like, holy crap, Like that is, it's legitimately, they consider it a comic book essentially now. That's what I thought was kind of cool. But back to Aquaman. <laughs> Get back to that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that's, that's really, I actually did not know that, so that's interesting. Yeah. Um. So okay, so we talked about the beginning. We talked about how beautiful it looks. Uh, the next part, the, the next big part that comes up, you know, is when Arthur uh, confronts the the pirates who are hijacking a Russian naval submarine. Uh, let's see. I mean, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but uh, let's uh, maybe I will. One year later, after Steppenwolf's invasion, Arthur confronts a group of pirates attempting to hijack a Russian naval nuclear submarine. Their leader Jesse Kane dies during the confrontation, while his son David Kane. Val's revenge against Arthur. Uh, I mean, this is the spoiler section. So David Kane is Black Mana. <laughs> I mean, that's who it is, right? Uh, and that is kind of taken directly out of the comic books, sort of. Uh, not the way that that Black Mana's father dies, but uh, it is pulled from the comics that the reason why Black Manta is going after Aquaman is because Aquaman killed his father. The thing is, in this movie, Aquaman doesn't really kill his father, but he does that whole thing where it's like, I, I'm not going to save you. You know, so while he doesn't necessarily kill him, he doesn't save him from dying. And uh, Black Man holds that against him, and that comes up again a few times throughout the film, which I just want more Black Mana. That's, <laughs> I mean, it was just amazing. I just want more of him. Oh, yeah. He was really awesome. Uh, let's see. Uh, David uh, later targets Atlantis at the uh, behest of Orm, Arthur's younger half-brother and Atlantis's king, who uses the attack as a pretext to declare war on the surface. Which, I wanted king... to see more of that. Of what? Like, I wanted to see more of like the repercussions of what Orm did in the real world. Like on the surface world. Well, I mean, he never got to it. Like the, the he did though. He, he threw all their trash back and he threw warships and shit back at them. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest thing that he did. I, I, I just I, what big. I what I'm saying is I wanted to see more of that. Like it, it'd have been cool to see like Superman helping him out or something, just as a f- passing thing. Yeah. Like it would have been cool to see him like carrying shit off or whatever. And like that's it. Yeah. That's all you see. That'd have been cool though. Like that's all I'm saying. Yeah. But I want to see like. Actual like, other otherwise because like that's enough, that's one of the reasons that I knocked it down from uh, a ten because the point of the story is that they're like oh 
well, he's declaring war on the surface world. But the war never made it to the surface world except for the warning shots that Orm fired. And they're all like, where the fuck is all this coming from? And that Asian, yeah. you know, Asian Jim from the office is like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, it's the Aquaman. And they're like, well, you're fucking crazy. That ain't, that ain't a thing. No, I guess it is. He's totally a thing. They're like, where, where do you think all this trash just came from? They threw it at us because we're idiots. And they're like, nah. And that's all you see of it. Like, And I'm like, well, that's kind of dumb. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think the the big thing with that was, you know, he was trying to, that was his warning, like, hey, we're coming. But, I mean, they like you said, they, they show news things where people just don't believe about, you know, the Atlanteans or anything like that. I, I mean, that's, I guess you're right, that is kind of odd. I mean, you figure they dealt with the whole Steppenwolf thing, uh, Superman. Like, why are they just like, well, you know, somebody from another planet, that's feasible. Atlanteans are the come on now, yeah, like that. That you you might be right about that. Them, uh, damn it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just was weird. Like they make this big deal to to bring it up, and then and then that's it. Then, but like they never made it. Obviously, that's the thing that that pisses me off. Like he was able, Orm Ocean Master was able to throw warships and trash back at the surface world. That has no defense, yet he only did it as a warning, which is fine, but he could have fucked up a lot of shit. Yeah. And been like, hey, like, we're fucking here. Like, get your asses down here. But instead, they didn't do that. I mean, I guess he did throw that tidal wave at them and shit, but still, like, there was no repercussions to it. Like, all we saw was, was, uh, Aquaman's father, like, getting, you know, like, harmed by it yeah which i mean well that was kind of a big thing because that was the moment that aquaman was able to trust mira you know if it wasn't for that that moment because you know she comes up on the land she's like hey we need your help to take out your your evil step or evil um half brother and he's just kind of like well uh not my fight lady and he kind of goes away he and his father drive off the tidal wave comes and if it wasn't for her saving his father she would have, or he would have no reason to trust her or even want to help her at that point in time. So that was a big reason for that, that moment there. Uh, but again, you got to remember also, like, he's not going to do more than that. That was a warning shot. He technically couldn't, and they say it in the movie, he can't start the war unless he gets every um, king in the ocean on board with him. You know, every, so unless every, he's Ocean Master, unless he becomes the Ocean Master, he cannot declare war on the surface world. So that's why he did the warning shot, and then nothing else happened from with him after that because he never got to that point of becoming the true Ocean Master. And the surface world, hey, maybe that that comes up in in Aquaman two or whatever movie comes out next with with Aquaman in it. Maybe that that'll be some something that they dive into at that point no pun intended so who knows huh i also have another question i i don't remember well enough but in justice league didn't aquaman control water okay yes and no i'm pretty sure he did 
he didn't control the water as much as he stopped the water with the trident and he slowed it down. He didn't control it. He didn't really even stop it. He just kind of slowed it down with his mother tr- mother's trident or quid quadent or whatever the hell it's called. Uh, <laughs> they call it a trident in the movie multiple times, even though it's not a trident. But that that's kind of he didn't use any abilities of his own to stop it i i i took it as it was the trident that stopped it that's how that's even how i took it when i watched justice league so i i I don't know i know that's another thing that people on the internet are like but how does he do that well i know he doesn't have yeah he doesn't have hydrokinesis in every continuity no no and I, i i don't take it as he has that in this universe at all either i just i really think it was the the uh trident that she had that he had which is his mother's interesting uh let's see now he does we talked about you know he now trusts mira after mira helped save his save his father they are they then take a trip down to atlantis which is his first adventure to atlantis he's never been to atlantis before oh yeah wait a minute wait a minute oh Oh, yeah i guess he is I guess that is his first time, but, like, when he was swimming with Volko, they got close. They had to have. Because they saw all that shit with the fucking bioluminescence. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. Did they have to get close? Again, that was was all the, the creatures within the ocean that he was... Yeah, but the whole ocean didn't look that way. True. Look, hey, man. I didn't write the thing. All right. I hate being a podcaster. <laughs> uh, so they, you know, take their first trip to Atlantis. The main thing is is for Arthur to actually meet up with Volko because he has a plan to help take uh, take back the throne of Atlantis from Orm, and the whole plan is to get Arthur to take his rightful place as king of Atlantis because he is the firstborn of the queen to take, you know, take the place of, uh, of Orm. Uh, but the only way that he can do that is going and find, finding the, uh, the trident of a Atla- at of Atlan. There we go. Which was the first king of, of Atlantis. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of, that is the whole, that that's where everything takes off. That's like, okay, we have our MacGuffin, which is the trident and now we have to get to it. And that's kind of where everything starts at that point in time. They are found out to be in hiding there. or not in hiding, but meeting in a secret location. And they capture Arthur, which he then goes and is face-to-face with his brother for the first time. And his brother eggs him on to being in a fight. Uh, which is, what is it, the fight of... Uh, well, he blames, he blames Arthur. Orm actually blames Arthur for, and this is something that we didn't talk about, uh, Queen Atlan, or Atlanta, not Atlan, uh, Atlanta, she was banished and, um, sacrificed to, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Trench, and they blame... Arthur for that because she had a half-breed son and that was a kind of a big deal and that's why she was sacrificed to the trench. So Orm blames Arthur for her death uh, and 
He offers Arthur an opportunity to leave forever. Arthur instead challenges him to a duel in the Ring of Underwater Lava. <laughs> the Ring of Fire. Yeah, it says it. under it says underwater lava on here. It's kind of that's weird. weird. Why would they fucking call it that? I don't know. Wikipedia is fucking weird. Yeah, well, you know, anybody can just write whatever they want on there. And uh, then that battle starts, which is like the the second, maybe third biggest battle of the the movie. Because um, you had the the Atlanta one, then you have the submarine fight, and now this one here. It was cool. Uh, I, re- I thought it was really neat to see how they were going to have the Atlanteans, Atlanteans fight underwater with the tridents and everything like that. The only thing that I didn't quite understand is, what was was it a fight to the death? Because they didn't really specify that. and Because there was a moment where uh, Orm breaks the trident that Arthur has, which is his mother's trident. He breaks it, and it kind of seems like, hey, it's over. So was it just breaking the trident? Is that what made you the victor, or was it to the death? They didn't really explain that, which was a little annoying to me. I mean, isn't it always to the death? I don't know. What was it? To the death in Black Panther? Uh, he had to yield. In Black Panther, uh, the the loser has to yield. Either die or yield. So maybe the rules are the same. <clears throat> maybe. Don't compare it to Black Panther. I'm not. I'm asking. <laughs> it, it's the that's the latest fucking movie that we have until Lion King, where two kings fight for the throne. True. True. So I just wanted to know, you know, what the rules are. I don't know how to fight for the throne. Did Did Namor the Submariner have to have to? No, he's a prince. Never mind. Yeah, I don't really know much about Namor. So oh, he's a. He's the prince. Oh, no, he's of, he's a, the prince of Atlantis, and he fights Nazis. Oh, that's a good time. Who doesn't like fighting Nazis? So, uh, so Orm in this fight that he gains the upper hand. It says in here that he nearly kills Arthur. I don't really see a moment where he almost killed Arthur. I thought that, like, I, I guess at the end when he broke the trident, that's when they're saying he nearly kills him. But uh, Arthur still could have fought at that point in time, if you ask me. Yeah, but, that's true. Uh, at that at that time, uh, Mira rescues him. Now, Mira is something I didn't mention. Mira is set to actually marry Orm. Like the agreement between her father, uh, who is King Nerys, is that his daughter would marry the king of Atlantis, and she doesn't want to marry Orm, so she kind of. Um, goes against the wishes of her father as well as Orm and rescues Arthur and they go off and search for the trident at that point in time. And uh yeah, they go to the Sahara because they decide or they figure out that the the time frame of when Atlantis first sunk, part of it would have been in in the Sahara Desert. So they go there to find some old ruins of Atlantis. And they come across these ruins, and which, if you ask me, was probably one of the most cringiest jokes in the whole movie. <laughs> when he falls down into the into like the slide thing, when he falls through the sand, and she's like, "If if this is the next king of of Atlantis, God help us," or something like that. She says something like that, and it was just first off, the the delivery was horrible. Secondly, the music was just. Horrible. So, that line was more cringy to you than we should have just peed on it. 
that was bad. <laughs> that was bad. But yes, it was more cringy than that. Interesting. You listen here, listeners. Anybody listening to this? Robert and I have vastly different tastes in movies. It's true. Yeah. I actually liked Venom. Oh god, I hated Venom. Yeah, we all know that that was coming. <laughs> anyway, the cringiest line in the movie was I I will agree that it was childish, sure, but cringiest it just it felt too forced. I think delivery, the the line to begin with, and with the music behind it, because that was the first moment I noticed the music was just shit in this movie. I was just like, oh god. Well, no, I take that back. When they did the Pitbull version of uh, Africa, that was the bad, <laughs> worst moment. <laughs> but honestly, you, you like, didn't was, like that. God no. No, oh, I thought I don't, it was fine. When it comes to these movies. Zack Snyder started something in the DCU with uh, with the music, where it's all you know symphonic and uh, just, or even synthesizers, you know, because that's Hans Zimmer's big on synthesizers and stuff like that. But it's there's no like pop songs and no rock songs from you know real groups that are in it. It just to me that's what feels and flows better in these films. And when they add those that those random moments of that music, like I hated the beginning of Justice League. Like that is to me the worst part in Justice League is the that opening music bit in in that movie. Like it's just it it, it feels out of place. It doesn't feel like it should be there. And just like in Aquaman when they had those songs playing there, it was just like, come on, really, really, come on, <laughs> come on. I'm a big music nut though, and if you if you've listened to my show, you know that. Like I I just I music is a huge part and important thing for for movies in my opinion. So. I it really is. have to. It definitely is. I, w- I would love to know what made you such a music snob. Uh, Star Wars. I mean, when I was a kid, I got into Star Wars in like 94, 95, 96, whatever, whatever they started re-releasing them. I think it was 95 or 96. And at that point in time, like I was like, I totally got enthralled with Star Wars so much so that I started listening to the soundtracks and this is when you know shortly after CDs were coming out and my buddy Brian who's uh, one of the uh, hosts on Farside uh, hashtag Farside uh, he was into it as much as I was and his mom one Christmas got him the all three of the albums the soundtracks for Star Wars and I would go over his house and we would just listen to them all the time and it was that moment where I was just like Movie music is awesome, and <laughs> it just kind of built from there. So huh. uh, that's kind of how how I got into it. And you know, over the years, you know, I've followed different composers and stuff like that. And it's just amazing how it's grown because even in the '90s, it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, Star Wars did it in the '70s and '80s, and even after that, yeah, you had some epic films that would come out. You know, some big big temple films that would use the symphonic scores, but a lot of movies still went and fell back into the old habits of just getting some guy to sit at a synthesizer and press a few buttons, you know, where eventually as we got into the two thousands, you know, you had more star Wars, you had Lord of the Rings, you had the matrix you had, and you know, you go on with all these different sagas and franchises you got. It really started to build up with the, the symphonic scores again. And, just the growth that we've had has just been fantastic to see. And while some of them aren't as great, 
uh, you know, some of them are amazing. I mean, you can go back to the the nineties, you know, a big, you know, between, besides John Williams, another big one was Tim or not Tim Burton, um, Danny Elfman. I only said Tim Burton because Danny Elfman pretty much does all of Tim Burton's films, but you have Danny Elfman and he used to be really, really good. Now he's a shit, but he was, you know, he was another inspiration for, for me when I was younger for the Batman movies and, you know, other films that he was involved with and eventually Spider-Man and stuff like that, that kind of built my, my excitement and knowledge and desire to really pay attention to music and, and film. Tune in next week for episode two of Snob Tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just joking. Uh, anyway, I, I, that prompted a question, um, from, from me, um, Real quick, give me your three-word review of Rogue One, because I don't know this. Three-word review of Rogue One? Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't, I, come on, you know me, I can't put anything into three words. Come on now. <laughs> did you like it? <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy it. Uh, and uh, Did you, you like the soundtrack? Me, yes. But I like Giacchino. I like him as a composer. I think he he has the right amount of flair to to be similar to Williams, but he's his, he's his own composer in such a way that I think it flows. I think the reason why I like the score so much for Rogue One is because of the callbacks and the cues that it takes from A New Hope as opposed to a lot of the other Star Wars movies. And that was kind of exciting because A New Hope has so many different musical cues and, 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 and beats in it that aren't in any other Star Wars movie. And it's it was really cool and interesting to see them pop up again in another Star Wars film. So that was a big reason why I liked it. I know a lot of people say, say it sounds too sci-fi-ish, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I really liked it. Fascinating. That was like a hundred words. <laughs> I told you I can't. I can't review anything in three words. It's impossible. I liked it. <laughs> That's three words. <laughs> I I hated it. I liked it. Tune in next week to episode two of Three Word Reviews. <laughs> All part of the Nerd Tacos Podcast Network. <laughs> Uh, Jesus. Okay, so, where are we at, man? I have no idea where we're at. This is they're, a, they're, this is great. So they're, they, we got them to the Sahara. So they're at the Sahara. They find the 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 old relics of of Atlantis. They come across because I guess uh, Volko came across a contraption which holds a message from King Atlan inside of it. So when they find the relics, they find a contraption that they can put this little weird sphere not sphere uh tube looking thing whatever it is and they put it in there it doesn't work so she pulls some water out of arthur's forehead mira pulls some water out of arthur's forehead which you've seen in the trailers she drops it on there because it needs water to work because it was underwater so makes sense needs water to work that's where you get Deej's most cringiest line in the movie. Huh, you could have just peed on it. <laughs> I just thought like what the fuck why even put that in there? No, you're right. I mean, it wasn't a good line. I think they were trying to, again, it was part of their trying to marvelize the, the, the franchise. You know, they're trying to put in little jokes where kids will laugh at it. You know, like, that's that's what they were trying to do, I think, there. Anywho. So, basically, it says 
something about he who holds the trident is the true king or something like that and blah 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 something about finding the trident and where to go to find it <laughs> which i can't remember everything there uh does it say here the line yeah journey to sahara desert trident was forged unlocked a holographic message that leads them to sicily so it leads them to sicily and that's where they retrieve the trident's coordinates so, meanwhile, Orm is providing David, or Black Mana, with Atlantean armor and weaponry to, and sends him to stop Arthur and Mira. Uh, he then also imprisons Volko upon learning that he betrayed uh, the throne of Atlantis, uh, or Orm. He really didn't betray the throne, because the entire time he's he serves the throne. Like Despite the fact that he doesn't agree with what's going on, he was still serving the throne. Just behind his back, he was just like, hey, Arthur, go do this stuff. So Orm finds that out and imprisons Volko and coerces the remaining kingdoms, all but one, of Atlantis to pledge allegiance to him and his campaign against the service. Uh, meanwhile, David, also known as Black Manta, spends time heavily modifying Orm's technology, which was, I thought, a pretty cool scene. I kind of liked that. Uh, in Sicily, a fully armored David, now calling himself Black Manta, ambushes Arthur and Mira and injures Arthur before getting, being thrown off a cliff to his apparent death. Wow, they, they, they kind of just, they, this synopsis just kind of quickly glazes over that amazing fight <laughs> sequence and action scene. <laughs> they do that kind of thing all the time, <laughs> but that shit was dope. That's the oh, first man. time I noticed so, well, the one-shot you know, thing the Sicily, The Sicily scene is actually an important scene for Arthur, Mira, and Black Manta uh, because that is the moment where you start to see the love interest between Mira and Arthur pop up, you know, because you get to see her beauty in the backdrop of Sicily. You get to see uh, actually how intelligent um, Arthur can be. Like, he isn't just a dumb, you know, brute. Like, he does have some smarts to him. So you kind of see that, and Mira starts to notice that in him. So, you know, you kind of see the, the two, their relationship starting to build a little bit, which is nice. And it's at one of those moments when that, that that's building. Like, you, you know, there's a moment there where it's like, okay, they're getting close. That's kind of cool. And at that moment, Black Man is like, what up, bitches? And he comes flying up, you know, over, over the cliffside and just, you know, Really, I think he right away shoots Arthur, and then that's when the the whole action sequence starts off, and it's just completely uh, just amazing. And again, we've seen a lot of it in the trailer, but even what we saw in the trailer wasn't everything, which is nice. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode one of Tangents, where we talk about one movie, and we go off on a tangent about another. Rob, what did you think of National Treasure? (laughs) I liked it. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for listening to three word reviews <laughs> okay listen i love national treasure and national I do treasure too. too i do They're too i absolutely love them thank some, you some of my most favorite movies of all time oh god look at we, we just said we don't agree on movies ever but boom there we are we love both of i want them to make the third one damn it oh yeah i've been waiting to fucking find out what the hell's on page 30 47 for like seven years yeah. Or whenever that shit that came out. I can't fucking wait. Anywho. It's been a while. My, my point is, is that those scenes where they were following the clue of Atlan, 
Yeah. We're so national treasury that I was like, this is fucking cool. Like, I, I agree. I thought the same thing. While it was, cause once you said that, I knew where you were going. I, I completely agree. I was like, this it, is so cool. When he, when he like did the thing with the with the, the telescope and the statue, I was like, wow. That's like, that's so fucking brilliant. Like, I loved it. And, I was, and then it just quickly got fucking demolished by Black Manta. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, but then it just led to a badass scene where... Well, yeah, and I, but I was like, ah, whatever, that's cool. And then the, the the scene was cool. And I don't exactly remember noticing that it was happening right off the bat. But I do remember the moment that it did happen. It was right after, I'm pretty sure it was right after Mira destroys those fucking guys with the with the wine. Uh, Yeah, what about it? That was cool. Yeah, so she does that. And then, like, she blasts those dudes out into the fucking, uh, like cul-de-sac or the 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 the, um courtyard Mm -hmm. or whatever and then like as those dudes are like laying there dead the camera just continues to pan out and then fucking black mana slams aquaman down to the ground you're like oh shit yeah and it looked like it was all happening in one goddamn shot like the whole thing that all that stuff was happening it made me believe for the first time ever that that was all being filmed in the or like that that was happening that like that like J- Jason Momoa, is that his name? Jason Momoa, and and whatever the fucking guy's name who played back Black Manda, um, Yahya Abdul Mateen or whatever. The um, third, don't, don't the third, third, the third, <laughs> made me believe that those two were actually filming their scenes while the the cameraman was on Mira, Amber yeah. Heard. Yeah, because it does. It feels like okay, so that fight's going on. We're not seeing it at all. But when the the camera pans and goes to them, you're like, holy crap, there's been a fight going on that whole time between those two. Where normally in movies, you know, you have the cuts, you know, you have the, you know, the, the fade outs or the fade ins or the quick cuts or something like that, where it's just like, okay, there's a fight here, there's a fight there, there's a fight here, there's a fight there, there's a fight here. There's... But this was just, like you said, what we were talking about earlier, just the one shot kind of feel where it's like, okay, it's here, the camera pans, and look, it's over here now. This is where the fight is. It pans like, you'll never here, be able to convince now. me that... Jason Momoa was over there eating a bagel while Mira was <laughs> killing those dudes. Like, I'm sorry. I don't care if it was CGI or not. That's He was fighting Black Mana. That's yeah. what was happening. <laughs> and that shit that. is crazy. Like, I loved those scenes so much. I loved yeah. so much about this movie that, 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 like, this is... that I've wanted to go see it immediately. And then I want to... For... for all intents and purposes, I would let's we should move onward to I guess we're getting there pretty much. Um to where he finds the where they end up the they end up going to the uh the third clue, which was the trench. The trench, yeah. And I didn't know a lot about the trench going into it, but I know it's a new fifty two villain. Yeah, yeah, the trench. Um, yeah, that that came up. That was, I think, that was a Jeff Johns creation, if I'm not mistaken. Indeed, it was. Uh, well, if and, this whole movie is technically a Jeff Johns creation, true, true. But I think in the the comic book sense, like that was Jeff Johns who even created it for the comics. Because uh, do you have that any, anything here? No, no, you don't. I don't know. What are these? Just Easter eggs you have here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, here, I'll see if I can look it up real quick. What are we, what are we looking up? Aquaman Trench, unless you have it. Like, about the trench? the trench? Yeah. Oh, no, I don't have it. Okay. Uh, real quick here. 
So the trench rise from far beneath the ocean floor in search of one thing, food. Uh, with their first attack, they demonstrate a complete lack of empathy, relying on only the primal instinct to feed, even eating their own slain brethren. All the creatures seem to be similar, with the exception of the king and queen of the race. When the king marks his food, the others back off. After massacring a boat and local fishing community, the police call an Aquaman and Mirror to help investigate. This is not the, from the movie. This is comic book wise but uh they're an ocean dwelling race of evil creatures that take on aquaman and they first appeared in aquaman number one from the new 52 so yeah uh that's who the trench are they're pretty badass and they do a hell of a job in the movie because with them because it's just they're there's thousands of them and they attack mira and aquaman and it's just there's just thousands of them there and that's when you get that badass shot from the the trailer where they jump off the boat into the ocean and they you know they they're all falling behind them as arthur's carrying a flare through the water and it just gives you that 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 crazy again just cinematic that beautiful shot of all of the trench going after him and Mira and they're in the middle. It's just, it's so badass. Like, I don't know. God, this movie's beautiful. I don't watch it right now. Uh, but you know, the, the thing is, is now leading up to this part, you know, throughout the entire movie, they consistently talk about how, uh, queen, uh, Atlanta was sacrificed to the trench, you know? So we're, we're talked about constantly, talked about constantly. She was sacrificed to the trench, sacrificed to the trench. And that's what everybody says, except for Arthur. Arthur, and I think maybe even Orm mentions at one time, mentions that their mother is dead. Like, she's dead. They killed, you know, it, it was Atlanta, Atlantis killed my mother. Atlantis killed my mother. Atlantis killed my mother. Like, that's all Arthur says throughout the movie constantly, which is a big reason why he doesn't even want to, to help Atlantis at all, because they, once he finds out that it was Atlantis that killed her, you know, it, why does he want to even, you know help somebody that killed his mother so when they do this whole scene where they go into the trench and they go you know they have to swim down because they're looking for the uh the trident you know they they swim down they just keep swimming keep swimming keep swimming and they hit this like portal of some sort what how do they call what do they call it in here they, they didn't uh, really trench but managed to find fend them off and they reach a wormhole in the ocean that transports them it says to an uncharted sea located at the center of the earth uh, that's what it says and they do mention that in the movie yes which I, I was completely blown away by I was like that is so cool that is such a cool idea to go to the center of the earth uh, because I'm I, you know this this is not kind of a side note I, I'm I, I kind of like conspiracy episode theories. two of tangents. <laughs> I kind of like uh, conspiracy theories and everything. You know how there's people who are like, "There's a flat Earth, the flat Earth theory, or the donut-shaped Earth." I've always thought that the hollow Earth theory was fascinating. I'm not saying I believe it. I'm just saying it was a fascinating conspiracy. It's just such an interesting thing to think about. I and, agree. And read about. And when they went to the center of the Earth here, I was like, "Holy crap!" They're kind of making the hollow earth theory real in the dc film verse whoa so i thought that was kind of cool but they get there and now mira is in danger and she's getting like attacked by the trench and she's trying to escape trying to escape and this being comes and rescues her and you know holds it fends off the trench and rescues her and pulls her up on shore and you know she it's, it's this person in a helmet and mira she kind of looks up and it's like 
oh my god like as the person's taking off their helmet she can see the shock in her eyes and then Arthur comes walking onto the beach because he made it there himself because he's a badass comes walking up onto the beach and it's at that moment you're like holy crap it's Queen Atlanta <laughs> and I was like literally I, I had a feeling from probably like the 10 minute mark of the movie oh she's going to be at the end of the movie. They're going to find her. <laughs> like, that's just kind of how I felt like the entire film. Like I said, nobody except for Arthur ever says that she's dead. All they ever say is that she's sacrificed. And to me, that was a cue. And that was to me, poor writing because there's no reason why any of them would not think that she's dead. Uh, you know? So why did none of them ever say, yeah, she died when she was sacrificed to the trench or something like that. It was kind of a cue that gave it away. Like, hey she's not dead because you have all these people who last saw her her just saying she was sacrificed while the person who hasn't seen her since he was a child thinks that she's dead so to me that was kind of a giveaway that she wouldn't be dead that was probably honestly probably the the weakest part of the movie for me was that whole reveal and surprise quote unquote surprise not for me (laughs) yeah you completely caught you off guard I guess I apparently have some blood uh all right you know how aquaman is a half breed yes he's a mud blood he's a mud blood. oh god <laughs> <laughs> i too am a mud blood robert oh are you yes i have the blood of a general audience member mm, so sad it sucks <laughs> No, honestly, I I said this to you the other night. I kind of wish I could be surprised by that kind of stuff sometimes because, you know, it it does enhance the movie-going experience. (laughs) I was like, wow! I was not (laughs) expecting that at all. I actually said that out loud. I was like, oh, man, it's his mom. And I was like, wow. But, like, everybody, you know, some people said, like, that's predictable. But I was like, I fucking had no idea it was coming. I never even thought for my life that she would even be in the movie. I thought maybe... She would. I. I could have totally seen them doing something else, like where they would have gotten some sort of reveal where they found her dead, maybe. Yeah. Like actually well, confirming her death, but I didn't see her being alive. I mean, it, it worked in my theater too. Like most of the people in my theater, I heard go, oh, you know, at that moment. So it worked. Just it didn't get me. You know. I mean. But again, I pick up on that stuff all the time. It's very rare that a movie can actually trick me and it and it's it's a curse it really is a curse like i don't sit here and say that to brag like it's literally a curse i hate it i hate it like, i wish i could be surprised more often so <laughs> I, I just I, I don't know it, it didn't get me but again it was just one of those things that it was a cool story moment you know where arthur finally gets to meet his mother and everything i kind of wish later on in the movie that they would have done something different with her and uh i'll get to that when we get to that point but uh, at the moment that they get to the center of the earth or wherever they're at here, uh, they, you know, uh, his mother talks to, tells him about, um, uh, the Carathen, the Carathen, yeah. yeah, the mythical Leviathan that guards the trident, uh, and voices his determination to protect both Atlantis and the surface, proving his worth in reclaiming the trident, which grants him control over the seven seas. Arthur, that is. Arthur claims all that. Uh, Orm and his allies lead an army against the crustacean forces of the Kingdom of the Brine with the intent of completing Orm's surface battle preparations. 
However, Arthur, Mira, and Atlanta, with the assistance of the Carathan and the Trench, intervene and lead an army of marine creatures in the battle against Orm. But see, again, I hate this synopsis because it completely <laughs> just completely negates everything that happens with Arthur and the Carathan. Like that's a that's a really cool scene because it's it really shows Arthur has embraced the idea of saving Atlantis. Like that is that is the moment he becomes Aquaman. Like that that's his defining moment where it's like he is Aquaman at this point in time. You know, he grabs the 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 trident and the the orange and green suit gets put on him and he is at that moment Aquaman, the king of Atlantis. And it's just it's a badass scene, that whole thing. It's just amazing. Okay, here's a little tidbit of information. Do you know um, who the voice of the Carathon is? I do not. Oh, fascinating. Uh, Julie Andrews. That's okay. I knew that she was in the movie, but I didn't know what role she played. I didn't know that, but I, 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 I hear it now. Thinking about it, I hear it now. So huh. either way... Y'all got Mary Poppins this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So that's uh, as they do come, you know, Arthur and Mira and Atlanta, they come up and take on uh, Orm's army. Uh, they then realize, and it's really King Nearest who is convinced of all of this because of Mira, because Mira's like, hey, dad, like, check this out. He's got the uh, the trident there. He's he's the real king, you know? And he's like, yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, and then he calls his troops like, you now follow that guy, not that guy. So that's when like the tables really start to turn on the battle down there. And there, I don't know why it gets pulled up. I know that it was kind of like, Arthur, you need to you need to take on Orm, and he's like, he beat me last time. And Mira's like, well, face him where you're you're best at, you know, out of the water. So somehow they can he gets Orm to go to the surface and they're on the <clears throat> I guess on the top of a ship and they start fighting on the top of a ship. It's a really cool scene, uh, a little predictable that you know Arthur was gonna win and there's a call back to a scene earlier when uh, Volko was teaching Arthur a trick with the trident and everything like that. you know kind of a touching moment for Volko because he does it. Mira breaks him out of being imprisoned and he can see all this happening, which you know you can kind of basically it, it, Volko was there. the only thing missing was a tear running down his face from what he what he was watching essentially. Uh, and you know at that point in time, I mean Arthur, defeats Orm you know he, he defeats him again it was similar to the fight earlier where Orm I guess defeated Arthur but didn't kill him and it all happened when he broke his trident again that's why I feel like breaking the trident claims the victor I guess I mean it makes sense because he yeah. didn't I don't know he could have killed him in the end of this so maybe it is to the death Yeah, maybe not but maybe you know. just gotta make a wuss out of him but it's at that moment that uh, Arthur, that it, you know, Orm f- discovers that Arthur found and rescued their mother, Atlanta, and she returns to the surface to reunite with, uh, with, yeah, but she returns, she comes up and, you know, meets Orm and Arthur on the ship, and she's like, she goes up to Orm and like, all right, it's time to stop, like, I'm here, you know, you've been misguided, your father, you have a lot of your father in you, you're, you're misguided, that kind of thing. What I wanted to happen there 
and I'm sorry if I'm if it sounds cynical, but I wanted Orm to kill her right there. To me, that would have been a defining moment of making Orm a true villain, because there's a lot of things in this movie where you can sit there and say, okay, Orm, Orm, he has he has some reasons to do what he's doing. I get it, but if if at that moment he would have killed his mother because it would have shown that he has gone completely to the side where he he doesn't care about anything but his mission. And I think if he would have killed his mother there, that would have been fantastic and it would have been a driving force in future films for Aquaman and Orm to be villain, you know, enemies. Uh, I just think that that should have happened there. Of course, you wouldn't have gotten the touching moment that happens later, <laughs> unfortunately, but you could have had a completely different type of moment where Arthur has to explain to his father that she was never coming back you know so like there's a lot of different things that they could have handled it there but i think that would have been a a pretty cool moment it doesn't happen but it would have been cool yeah yeah that would have been cool because when you texted or messaged me before i saw the movie you're like you you said you cried (laughs) i was like that has to be what happens she dies she's gonna die and that's why he cried that's the only reason why i would cry see nicole kidman die again Damn, I, I I could only go through that once with Mulan Rouge. I can't go through it again. All right, no, so. I happy cried when she <laughs> showed up at the, at the at the the dock. Yeah, which is something that this whole synopsis doesn't talk about. How every every morning at sunrise, uh, or was it sunset? Sunrise or sunset? Ah, they looked the same. Yeah, well, sunrise. I think it was sunrise. Every morning, Thomas Curry would walk out to the dock waiting from uh not mira uh alana to return because she said that when she would return when she returns she would return at sun sunset or sunrise or something like that and every morning like clockwork he was out there waiting for her from the from the day she left until the day she returned at the end of the movie it was a long time yeah it was like what 40 25? years 25 no, years. 25 years 30 years something like that yeah so that's kind of that's kind of what happens. Anyway. A I mean, vagina that's... made of gold. <laughs> I mean, I I do the same for Nicole Kidman. I just have a thing for her, though. It wasn't Nicole Kidman, though. It wasn't. Well, it was Nicole Kidman. <laughs> okay, but Thomas Curry's not like, God damn that Nicole Kidman! I swear to God. <laughs> Fucking Django Fett getting to kiss Nicole Kidman? What the hell? <laughs> no, 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 it's Django Fett. No, no. All right, never mind. All right, so in the mid credit scene, Asian Jim and Black Mana. Asian Jim. I'm sorry. Every time you say that, it's just funny to me. That's what it is, man. That's what, That guy was first ever only Asian Jim to me. Yeah, well, okay. If Those of you who don't know what we're talking about, watch The Office. Just type in Asian Jim on YouTube. There you go. You'll, yeah, you'll, you'll totally get it. It's fucking hilarious. That guy was only ever Asian Jim to me, and then he was Kim Jong-un. Yes, yes he was. <laughs> so okay. okay, yeah, in the mid credit scene, Black Mana is rescued by Dr. Stephen Shin, Dr. Asian Jim, a scientist obsessed with finding Atlantis, and agrees to lead Shin there in exchange for his help in revenge against the Aquaman. Dun 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 There's actually a cool Easter egg I just found out about I was uh, going through Facebook. Uh in the little room that black manta and uh asian jim are in there are newspaper clippings of aquaman and the justice league and stuff like that and there's 
there's one of the news articles on there says uh, Wonder Woman nixes Aquaman romance or something like that. So like there's an article that they wrote in the in the universe that thought that Wonder Woman and Aquaman were dating, which I think is kind of funny as well as an interesting callback to Flashpoint. So kind of cool. Yeah, interesting. Wait, what? Oh, okay. Never mind. I understand what you said. Where did you read that at? Uh, it was on Facebook, and and uh, James Wan confirmed it. He tweeted out the picture of it himself. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, pretty interesting. There's a lot of Easter eggs in the in the movie, though. But uh, yeah, are we done talking about review? Like talking about the the film? It's just a great film. People go watch the damn movie. Stop listening to us. <laughs> go watch it. Well, there's another one. It's apparently Aquaman had like a really interest. Had a uh, sidekick octopus that named Topo. That apparently was the uh, drum playing octopus hmm. in the movie around the Ring of Fire, the Ring oh, of Lava, yeah, underwater yeah. lava. Yeah, it's interesting though. I mean, I I don't Dinosaur Island is Jules Verne. Um, no, I'm sorry, not Jules Verne. Journey to the Center of the Earth is Jules Verne. This is uh, clearly homage to Jules Verne, and uh, Dinosaur Island is from DC Comics. It's another thing. That they did it, so so it seems. Oh, there's the Mary Poppins thing right there. That's funny. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. <coughs> I swear uh, to God, if they had a thing on here that said Doctor Shin is actually so, Asian Jim from the Office, I would have fucking lost my mind. Do you think? Do you think that it was intentionally put in there that Man of Steel, that quote unquote Man of Steel Easter egg? Do you think it was purposely like put in there for that? The Man of Steel Easter egg. Yeah. Hold on, let me read this. Uh, so so in in in. Man of Steel, there's an oil tanker that's being exploded. You know, Superman goes and saves a bunch of them, everything like that, and he falls into the ocean. You know, that kind of whole thing. Uh, during one of the times when Orm is talking about the destruction of all hu- that the humans inflict on the oceans, there's a specific oil rig sinking that's showing oh. flashbacks. Do you think it's just coincidence, or do you think they really use that, that specific one? Because I can't remember what it looked like, so... Um, I don't know, but... Haven't you ever heard of the other Easter egg in Man of Steel? Which one? That he was saved by Aquaman? Yeah, it's not an Easter egg. It's just a a uh, a, a theory that he was actually saved by Aquaman. I think it's a good theory. Yeah. I was really hoping that they would have shown that in the, in this movie. That would have been interesting. That would have been cool. Dolph Lundgren and Aquaman. There are a lot of Easter eggs concerning past Aquaman appearances. For example, Aquaman was always the brunt of jokes in both the world of DC Comics and mainstream appearances like Robot Chicken and Family Guy. He talks to fish and rides a seahorse. Yeah, how did you like how they handled him talking to fish? Because he doesn't really talk to them, but he, he doesn't so my f- talk to them. My friend told me, this is interesting, because he said, I just got out of Aquaman, it was fantastic, other than some major plot holes, it was a perfect movie. I said, whoa. What plot holes were you talking about? And he's just like, well, the biggest one was him and Mira acting like they had never met before. And I was just, I, you know, and I, I, that's why I brought that up. And then he said, because in him needing the trident to talk to fish that aren't directly around him, which I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? He didn't need a trident to do that. He used that's his, what I'm saying. I didn't. I didn't. His hand. He just put his hand up. That's what he said. He said in him needing the trident to talk to fish that aren't directly around him. Which I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, I, I have no idea what he's talking about because I don't remember that. 
I mean, I thought it was interesting. I've never really seen Aquaman talk to fish before. Uh, Apparently, Aquaman, and like I said, I was going to do a special about this on on the fandom vibe. Um, Either, you know, I was going to do it tonight, but I don't know if I'm going to have time to. But um, there's a lot of interesting things that I was going to bring up that I thought, I thought, wow, that's cool. But Aquaman, evidently, he's made into a joke from his appearance on... Super Friends? Super Friends. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of people make fun of it because of the way he, he talked to fish and uh, the way he looked and stuff like that. Super Friends was a different time. People don't realize, you know, that was a different time. You know, like, the comics even leading up after Super Friends made him a badass. Just people have always stuck to Super Friends when they think of Aquaman, despite all of the different comics that have come out since then. Uh, he's always been portrayed as a badass in the comics. And I think this movie now, because it's going to be so mainstream, or it's already so mainstream, I think people are starting to realize, okay, Aquaman's a badass. And that's thanks in part, large part to, to Jason Momoa, but also Jeff Johns, because Jeff Johns and James Wan, they, they just knew and had an idea of what they wanted to do for the story, for this, you know, the way that they were going to direct the movie, everything like that. And it just it worked out perfectly. And I, I just... I, I don't see the plot holes in the movie. A lot of people keep saying there's plot holes. You know, your friend's saying the one about not knowing Mira. I completely disagree. I think people are, are overthinking that right there. I think that they're they're making out like he's doesn't know her, but it's simply, I don't know your name. Like, that's it. You know, like, he knows her. He's seen her. He's talked to her. They, they basically acknowledge that and the fact that she knows that he faced off against Steppenwolf. So... Just not knowing the person's name, I don't think is that big of a deal. That it is what it is, but I, I just think that the, the movie is just solid, start to finish. You know, uh, it, it's absolutely, you know, the probably the best line. One of the best lines in the movie is, you know, Atlantis doesn't need a king; it needs a hero. And you can kind of say that with the DC film verse. You know, the DC film verse actually needed a hero, and. Aquaman was absolutely the hero that they they needed, and it's I think it's gonna it's gonna be huge for him. I think it's gonna be huge for for the whole film verse moving forward. I can't wait for Shazam. Just can't wait for it. Well, okay. So here's the thing. I, I've been looking for this the entire time. Um, powers and abilities. Aquaman. This is uh, some iteration of him over or over time. I'm not really sure, but it says uh, this is from the Nerdtocalypse Instagram, like way back when we first got Instagram. September 18th, 2016. I posted this random fucking tidbit about Aquaman. Anyway, uh, it says, He breathes underwater. He can survive at the bottom of the ocean. Enhanced super senses. Strong as Superman. I guess in water, maybe? I don't know. Um, Even more invulnerable. He leaps tall buildings in a single bound. Powerful telepathic abilities. Commands any and all aquatic life. Expert hand-to-hand skills. Other information. Uses invisible portals for quick transportation or er, transport in the ocean. Regularly goes to toe to toe with ancient gods. Kicked Superman's ass one on one. Casually gave a psychic a seizure through a polar bear at a seal poacher. King yeah. of roughly seventy one percent of the earth. Uh, married to an equally powerful hot redhead. Despite all of this, still seen as lame and useless because he talks to fish. I will say this real quick, something that I didn't touch on while we were talking about this. You mentioned married to a hot redhead. Look, Mira is hot. Amber Heard is damn attractive in this movie. 
but don't let that distract you from the fact that she is a total badass. Like she, her character is is legitimately like on par with with Aquaman, which I think is fantastic because you know normally in these movies you know you have the love interest of the hero and they're just kind of there, but no, she plays a pivotal role. She's a big part. You see her in action scenes. She kicks ass. She takes names. She has a good time doing it too. So. Yeah, I just wanted to put that out there too, which it was amazing. I uh, yeah, <laughs> interesting. But, uh, no, the the thing, the little tidbit you said about Superman, you got to remember, you know, the the fact that he is able to survive in such depths of the sea, you know, that strengthens you know your body. Like you know you like if if us as a normal human being, if we were to go into the water to that 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 far down, we would die. We would get crushed. We wouldn't be able to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, so his body is is built in such a way that it's able to withstand that type of pressure from being underwater, which helps make him as strong as Superman in some regards. Uh, he is able to take on Wonder Woman and Superman. I mean, that's been discussed many, many times in the comics. He's able to take them on in a fight and can be rather successful in, in doing so. He's a badass. People need to give him credit. And I think they're going to start giving him credit now. Because even well, Justice League, Justice League really didn't even do him justice there. You know, it was just kind of one of those things. It was like, yeah, he's there, fighting. He does water stuff. Oh, look, he thinks Wonder Woman's hot. Okay, that's about all we know about Aquaman after Justice League. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I don't know. I, I ain't got nothing more to say. Uh, neither do I. I mean, it was a great movie. Go see it. I'll keep saying it. Go see it. I'm sure you're going to be talking about it on Bridging the Geekdoms, so go see the movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, until next time, uh, wait, what are we doing next, man? What do you mean? I'd like to talk about what comes up next. <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I'm really shooting to to have something for the fandom vibe for shooting the Sith. Um, hopefully... Hopefully within the next week or two. I'm really hoping. I have some some cool ideas for some topics on Star Wars. So I really want to get that out there. So if you're a big Star Wars fan like I am, uh, I'm a pretty knowledgeable Star Wars guy. So hopefully you know my conversation, if you've never heard me talk about Star Wars, you'll enjoy it. Uh, I'd like to get some different people on there as well. Colton is really knowledgeable as, uh, with, with Star Wars. So we have some good conversations. So i got some interesting things in that regard. Uh, Bridging to Geekdoms, I should have some something up this week for Bridging to Geekdoms, hopefully. But uh, when it comes to Nerdtocalypse uh, and what we're doing with that, maybe the next show, uh, I know that we have, what's the next big movie coming out? Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. That's it, as far as movies go. Now we can use this as a vessel for many things. Like you said, you wanted to do... Well, no, we got. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Man, we keep forgetting about Thwap. Oh, yeah, Thwap. <laughs> that the, the superhero TV show uh, podcast. Yeah. yeah, we definitely want to do some things on that. I do want to do. I want to talk Titans. Maybe that could be our big, our first big episode of Thwap is Titans. Yeah, give me a yeah. chance to uh, get caught up on Titans. Yeah, we could definitely talk about the first season of that. Uh, what else? You know, what else is coming out? And I don't know if you're fans. I know that you've talked about it in the past on your podcast. Uh, Dragon Ball Super Brawly. Oh, yeah, the, that's coming I out think, soon. Real soon. I, yeah, I mean, it's out in Japan now. Uh, January 16th, is it? For 
the U.S. Yes. I am going to be seeing that. I'm sure you will. So we'll, we'll definitely get together to talk about that. Yes, looks like I can see it that day at 7 o'clock. Yeah, I unfortunately don't know what my schedule is going to be at that point in time. I'm Neither do I. Can, I'm hoping I can go see it on opening night. Really am. There's only one theater by me that's going to be playing it at all. So I got to get out there to see it. Yes. yes. Well, that'll probably be the next movie that we do then. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know that I think he said he's going to miss it. I talked to Lane. Um, I think he said he's going to miss that this movie is coming out. So I'm not really sure he's going to be really upset about it, but it is what it is. I'm sure he'll be around for Captain Marvel. I bet you he gets out sometime at the end of January. Yeah. Oh, I hope. Yeah. That should Something be like that. T- should be a good time. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I guess uh, we'll be back for another talk clips around then. Keep an eye out for various things that the Phantom Vibe will be doing, and we'll go from there. Looking forward to it myself. Cool. All right. We'll see you later.